Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm joined by my guest Michelle Kessel to talk all about emotional eating, the gut-brain connection and brain rewiring. Lots of interesting subjects today. So for those who don't know Michelle, she is a bloating and emotional eating coach for women. After struggling with her own health issues, including chronic bloating and gut health problems, SIBO, parasites, candida, as well as emotional eating, Michelle decided to learn how to heal the body and mind. Through her education on integrative health and brain rewiring, Michelle was able to overcome her struggles and is now thriving in all areas of health and helping other women on their journeys too. Michelle pairs holistic nutrition with brain rewiring to help her clients get to the root cause and overcome their bloating and emotional eating. And we'll chat about the end where to find her um, on social media and her website, but she also has a podcast, which we're doing currently back-to-back recording. So I'm excited to chat with you, Michelle, for the next couple of hours. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me on here. And it's so fun to do a little podcast swap and get a taste of both of our healing modalities. Yeah, and they sound pretty, I think a lot of people's journeys kind of sound similar because um, a lot of young women like deal with similar um, issues. Just question, how old are you, by the way? I am 24. I turned 25 in July, so almost there. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm 26. So um, I haven't yet heard your story in detail. So for as long as you want, just go off and tell us a little bit about how you got into um, becoming a health coach. Yeah, absolutely. So I started with having acid reflux and bloating in college. And in college, I was definitely not living a holistic lifestyle. I was binge drinking, partying, staying up till 2 a.m., drinking three venti coffees a day to study. Like I was kind of overexerting my You're body. You're asking for it, really. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was also dealing with like high stress of college, a lot of emotional things that I was just kind of like shoving down the carpet, like, oh, I'll deal with that some other lifetime. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and so I started with going to a regular conventional medicine doctor to see what's going on because my acid reflux was like insane to the point where I would like throw up stomach acid some days, like out of nowhere. So it was pretty bad. And I got prescribed omeprazole, a proton pump inhibitor. And I was on that for two years, which like- Wow, even like the insert of the medication, it says for short-term use, I think less than 12 weeks. Literally, I have some clients who've been on it for decades. Yeah, and my doctor was like, no, that's fine. Like if you feel better, you can take it as long as you want. And I started questioning that. I was like, okay, I've been on it for a while. My acid reflux is gone. 
And then I really was like, okay, let's try to see what I can do on myself. So I went down the rabbit hole of holistic nutrition and lifestyle shifts. So I started eating super clean, like extremely clean, probably too much. Um, but we can get into that later. Um, paleo. So I was eating really, really well, like not touching sugar, not touching processed food, etc. And then my acid reflux was gone, but I started to have severe bloating. Like I looked nine months pregnant after most meals, even for how clean I was eating. And I had cut out gluten and dairy and all the foods that I had found out I was sensitive to. So I was like, what is going on? Like I'm doing everything right by nutrition. Yeah, I'm so bloated. So I went to see a functional medicine doctor, ran all the labs. I had candida and parasites and SIBO and leaky gut. And my didn't have my period for like nine months and all the things like my body was wrecked. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're like, you have severe adrenal fatigue, just like everything you could think of. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like I have answers. I was happy about that because I was like, okay, that doesn't mean that I'm doing something wrong with my diet. It's just, there's imbalances and pathogens and whatever in my body that I need to get taken care of. So I got put on a protocol and I like intuitively knew this wasn't everything. Like I was doing it for a few months and it would get better and then it would get worse and it would get better. And it was just like a roller coaster. So at this point I was doing so much research on my own to just like podcasts and books and staying up late at night, just like really diving into holistic health. And I like was spotting all these things they were missing. I'm like, okay, but what about my liver? But what about like biofilm? Just like all these things. I was like, this doctor is missing stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm so passionate about this. I want to just get a certification and maybe it can become a career. Maybe I just learned something for myself. We'll find out. So I got trained as an integrative health practitioner, which is Dr. Stephen Cabral's program. So it's all about nutrition and reading lab tests like organic acids, hormone testing and all that. And I loved that program and learned a ton and was able to kind of fill in the gaps that I had already seen and really get better on the physical level. And then once that happened, I felt so much better physically, but I was still struggling with a lot of my mental and emotional problems that I never wanted to look at. And this was kind of like where I was like scared to go because I knew there was stuff there. And I would like have flare ups with my health whenever I was stressed. So I started working with my business coach and we really were doing a lot of personal development work too. And I was introduced to brain rewiring. And when I was able to learn the power of that, then I was able to go deeper and heal all of my limiting beliefs and patterns and emotional issues that were holding me back in my physical health as well. And I was also struggling with some emotional eating. Like every time I was stressed, I would turn to food or if I felt uncomfortable, I would turn to food. And it was just something that I was kind of ignoring because I was like, oh, I eat so healthy. It's like when I 
had a moment, it would be like paleo crackers. So I would ignore it, even though it was still causing me distress. So that's kind of my story. (laughs) I have lots of questions. So I just want to ask with your acid reflux, obviously you said the stress at college probably contributed to that, but was there anything else, maybe your diet, what was that like growing up um, that you feel may have contributed to the acid reflux? Because then I'm guessing the acid reflux and the medication led to SIBO and Mm -hmm. like suppressed immunity and there's a knock-on effect, but how did it originally start, do you think? Yeah, I think it was just like my diet. And I honestly had a healthier diet than most people growing up. My family never bought processed foods really, but I was still eating like, I don't know, in college, I kind of went crazy and was like, I can have pizza at 2am. This is a thing. So I did that. I was also drinking really, really heavily, which I think was probably the biggest contribution as well as stress. Um, So I think just like the combination of all of that um, really played a role in it. Yeah, it's usually more than one one trigger, isn't there? There's like the fact maybe antibiotics or the fact that you were a C-section birth and like moving. I took a lot of antibiotics in college Mm because at the college health center, if I had a cold, they gave antibiotics. So that was (laughs) definitely a factor. Yeah, that probably set up um, the immune system in not a great way and Mm -hmm. yeah everything has a knock-on effect from the interesting and then the certification that you went through so um I know someone who's going through that currently as well um is the course because I know he I've been following him for a while um Dr Stephen Cabral he has more of an Ayurvedic perspective do you have you taken anything away from that does he teach much on that in terms of um the gut health connection and maybe what type of dosha you are Yeah, he does. He, his program really blends like Ayurveda, traditional naturopathy, functional medicine, Chinese medicine, and all of that into kind of one. So he kind of like hits on every section, but he does mention like the doshas in more of a westernized approach. Like he kind of relates it to your body type saying, you know, we all have different body types. So don't strive to have like a very thin and frail frame if you're not built that way and know that you might have to be eating different ratios of food for your specific body type. So he kind of westernizes it for, I think, everyone who's learning the program. Did you figure out what you are? I know we're all a blend of the doshas and I associate very much with pizza. Me too. Fire in terms of personality, but also the types of symptoms that I get tend to be acne, skin issues, reflux, um, digestive upset. So yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely vata pitta. Um, I do get like dry skin and like I used to have chronic constipation, but pitta like fiery and like I really like cold food and all of that. (laughs) Makes sense. And sometimes you're drawn to things that aren't great for you so like coffee chocolate spicy foods yeah my vices (laughs) and very big acid reflux triggers so that Mm -hmm. probably makes sense yep exactly okay um and in terms of your clients now do you have any common limiting beliefs or stresses or traumas that they have in common or was there anything that you can identify for from your emotional eating um maybe people with disordered eating, are there any like common tendencies 
with that? Yeah, I think one of the most common ones I see is people predicting the future. So it's kind of interesting. So like you'll sit down for a meal and even if it's healthy, like my clients and I did this too, will be like, uh, I'm going to be bloated after this. Like just telling themselves these things or like going to emotionally eat or something and be like, I'm just going to finish the whole thing. Like just telling yourself these things. And then you of course do them instead of sitting down and being like, this meal is going to nourish me, or I don't have to eat the whole thing. I can have a few bites and save the rest for another time because I can finish it whenever. It's just like predicting how you're going to act, I think is the number one thing that I see across the board. I have that happen all the time because part of my symptom history is mast cell activation and very, uh, very reactive to foods and histamine and um, just kind of chemicals and things like that. So when I would go into a, a meal, I would have that thought in the back of my mind. And even though it was like a plate of vegetables and things like avocado and fermented foods, my body was reacting badly to them. So I would just, it's kind of like PTSD. Once you've had a bad reaction yeah. to something, you, your brain kind of gets wired into a reactive pathway. Um, so that can be hard to overcome. And some people and some conventional doctors believe that once your brain has kind of created a pathway, it's stuck forever. And even with some neurodegenerative um, conditions as well, they believe that the brain can't be changed. But more recently, we, we know that neuroplasticity is a thing and the brain can change. Um, so that's kind of what you went through in terms of the program, the, um, the brain rewiring certification that you went through. How does that differ from maybe things like meditation and mindfulness and I've mentioned a few times a, a, a program called DNRS which um, I use with some of my clients who have very um, chronic illnesses and mold and Lyme and things like that so just give a brief overview as to what you mean by brain rewiring and what that would look like. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, neuroplasticity, the brain is plastic. It's able to change. So we don't have to be in a fixed state about our beliefs and all of kind of like the neural pathways that we have formed in our life as we've grown up. So with brain rewiring, you identify a neural pathway or a brain pattern that you're looking to change. And in the program, um, we learned a specific like process that guides people through it. So it's a combination of meditation, visualization, consistent thought shifting and reframing throughout the day. But I think that what differs this program and the approach that I use with clients versus other modalities and programs is we do a lot of work on like deconditioning and reprogramming. So doing inner child healing, healing traumas, doing shadow work, because those are also important to let go of and release from the mind, as well as changing your current beliefs and thoughts and emotions as well. Because when you are working to kind of like change, if you still have these wounds or traumas stuck in your body. They're so cemented that you kind of get stuck and hit roadblocks. So it's important to do that deconditioning work and address everything as a whole. It's really important because some people are familiar with um, affirmations 
and even the book by Louise Hay, You Can Heal, is it You Can Heal Your Life or something? You Can Heal Your Life, yeah, yeah I love that book. <laughs> repeat, I am healthy or I am happy or whatever, but sometimes it doesn't really work um, at all or even just for the long term. So I agree that it's really important that you actually believe. So if you're trying to heal from chronic illness and you're telling yourself, I am healthy, if you don't actually believe or want to get better in the first place, then you're really going to struggle with that. So what, what does the therapy look like in, time, in terms of working on some of those root causes? Because sometimes talk therapy isn't the best option. Do you, so do you com, um, combine something like the physical um, movements or somatic work as well within that? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to do breath work. I have, I'm not a practitioner, but I'll invite people that are and help them like facilitate things with clients to do that. But um, in my meditations or just in my coaching calls, I do some somatic work, like really having the client notice and observe where they're feeling their pain or their emotion in the body and pay attention to it and really like put their focus and energy on it to release it physically. Also a lot of like movement, having my clients do stretching and dancing and like all these embodiment practices to get in the body because I really believe the body has the answers and our mind kind of gets in the way sometimes. So that's an important piece. And during like the brain rewiring steps that I teach, there's a lot of visualization that takes place which also helps kind of get that mind-body connection because you're feeling the emotions physically in the body while visualizing your future reality and what you want things to look like. And if you're familiar with like Joe Dispenza, he always talks about like, that's how we create change is pairing the emotion with a thought pattern. So that's exactly kind of like the process I use. My friend ate like, extremely beneficial as well to do some of that work because I've I've never really had any like major trauma I know people say that who have like traumas I honestly there's not been anything I've had a really great life apart from the health issues which I feel could be considered a trauma and a stress and I've definitely had to work through some issues um, regarding being sick so having health issues in such like a prime age from like 18 to 24 when all of your friends are kind of starting careers and getting relationships and things like that. And you're stuck at home with your mom and dad, like every, every weekend struggling with chronic health issues. I think that could be considered a trauma. So I definitely totally. had to work through some of that stuff personally. Um, and I remember we both went through the Queen Alchemy course from um, Monica Yates, who has been on the podcast. I think that's episode 111. Um, so definitely go and check that one out and that magic angel number it landed on the I was just thinking <laughs> yeah, that I smiled time. when you said that <laughs> I, was like, I know Monica will appreciate me put, releasing the episode on episode 111 um but what about the whole feminine energy thing so what you learn through that queen alchemy course um how does that tie in and do you see a lot of your female clients struggle with embracing their feminine energy Oh my God. Yes. They're all in their masculine. Mm -hmm. 100%. I just had a client we just finished up and she was like a go-getter, like has her own business as well. Super like amazing girl, but very in her masculine was like overworked and overstressed and was struggling with severe constipation, even though she was eating a very clean, 
healthy diet. And I was like, okay, it's not the food. So let's like talk about how your stress levels are doing things. And we were like getting her in her feminine, just like having her take more breaks and focus on the brain rewiring and resting a lot more. And then she messaged me. She's like, oh my God, you're a miracle worker. Like this rest is making my constipation like finally go away and all these things. And I was like, yeah. And how's your business doing? And she's like, I'm making more money. Mm -hmm. I was like, see, it's a win-win. Like we don't have to be so in our masculine ways and which society teaches us to be so productive, go, go, go. You can have it all and rest and relax and enjoy your life too. Totally agree. And everything that I learned as well, I've implemented and I find the same thing. I'm more productive, happier, more successful. My hormones are doing better than ever. So it definitely works. How have you found what you learned kind of work out for the better in your business? Yeah, absolutely. So with business, it really allowed me to get into a more receiving mode instead of a doing mode. So knowing that me just feeling happy and magnetic and having this energy of magnetism is more receptive to my business than being like pushy and kind of like forceful, Mm -hmm. which totally makes sense because that's what I'm attracted to in other people that I work with. And as far as like health, um, with emotional eating, I really connected the two. So something that I've noticed is women who struggle with emotional eating are often not, um, prioritizing pleasure. And that's why they seek out food is to really get that pleasure and that dopamine. So learning how to get pleasure in other ways, whether that's just dressing really cute or going out in nature and like fully enjoying it or making your space aesthetic, whatever that is, the more you receive it in other ways, the less you'll want to get pleasure and comfort from food. So I've really been kind of tying that together when helping people with emotional eating is making sure they're getting pleasure and they're getting their desires in other ways. So when they do get it from food, they don't have to overdo it. They can have a good amount of it and not feel guilty and really enjoy it instead of like shove it down their throat and overdo it. Do you love coffee, but have been told it's bad and needs to be avoided if you're struggling with hormone imbalances like acne, PMS, and period problems? Honestly, most coffee out there should be avoided because the majority are contaminated with things like mold and pesticides, which can drive inflammation and those feelings like anxiousness and jitteriness after drinking. But what if I told you there was a coffee option that tastes great, is organic and mold-free, and also provides healing properties from reishi mushroom spores. Enter Organo King Coffee, my latest obsession. I didn't drink it for years because it would always wreck my sleep and leave me feeling like an anxious mess. But King Coffee does the exact opposite. Don't worry, it's not one of those fake coffee alternatives made from herbs. And if you've tried other mushroom coffee brands out there, I promise this one actually tastes good and is way better and provides so many more health benefits. If you haven't already heard of the benefits of reishi mushroom or Ganoderma, then let me give you a quick overview. 
It's known as the king of medicinal mushroom family due to its superpowers such as supporting healthy immune balance and being an adrenal adaptogen. This means if your immune system's overactive due to autoimmunity, or suppressed because of things like chronic infections, and you're not really sure if your cortisol levels are high or low, Laurasia can help to balance things out and it promotes homeostasis within the body. It's also antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, pretty much everything that we want from a product. Because of its potency, I'd recommend starting slowly if you're someone who's struggling with more complex chronic health issues or is sensitive. If you're thinking, why can't I just take a reishi mushroom supplement? Good question. Organo use a patented process to gently crack the inner and outer shell, offering 99% bioavailability of the reishi mushroom spores. I also explain this as being like the differences with probiotics, the regular lactobacillus, bifidobacterium options that we can all buy readily in health food shops have some benefit, but nowhere near as much as the spore-based probiotics that I use all the time with clients. Wanting to give Organo King Coffee a try for yourself? Visit vivanaturalhealth.myorganogold.com. This will all be spelled out and linked in the episode show notes and also my bio link on Instagram. I really hope you love it as much as I do, but now let's get back to the show. What are some signs that someone might be having this emotional eating pattern? Because sometimes it's not obvious um, Mm -hmm. or maybe some disordered eating. So we're not talking about like obvious um, anorexia or bulimia. I think people are aware of those, but um, I think you probably work with clients and I do who are bordering on disordered patterns of eating, but they're just not fully aware. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing is eating when you're not physically hungry. So when you're physically hungry, you'll feel it in the body, like as a hunger ache or pain, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And then when you're emotionally hungry, you'll feel it in your mind. It's like your brain's like, go eat. And it's not necessarily like you're grabbing carrots or broccoli or whatever. It's like, you're most likely going to grab some crackers or some chocolate, something like sweet or salty. And some other things are when you feel the emotion arise, you turn to food. So that's a big thing. Or you feel guilt and shame after eating, noticing that. So I think those are kind of like the big three that I would say show that you're eating out of an emotional reason versus a physical hunger. And what about someone who's trying to be health conscious or trying to manage a health issue? So let's say they have a thyroid or adrenal issue and they've been told to eat every three hours and not eat gluten and stay away from sugar for the time being, or maybe go on a more paleo style diet. How do we know the difference between um, me turning down dessert because I um, I don't want my skin to break out versus being um, disordered with my eating? Because I've definitely been told I have disordered eating, even though I don't. I've been there in the past, but there's a difference between choosing because you want to honor your body versus choosing something because you're trying to punish your body. Exactly. That was perfectly said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all about how you're making the decision. Is it out of fear or out of love? Because if you're making every decision for, oh my God, I have so much love for myself and my body and my health, that is perfect. If you're doing it because you're hating yourself, you have fear that you're going to like have bloating, you have fear that you're going to gain weight, then that's a different story. That's more of just disordered eating. Because if you're like, I love my body and I feel so good in it, so I don't want that treat. 
But if you're like, I want that tree, but I fear I'm going to gain weight if I have it, then that's more of the disordered approach. So it's all about intentionality. And what's the actual issue with emotional eating? Some people will say, oh, it's my one vice, like it's not drugs at the end of the day, or I'm not hurting anyone. Is there a problem for everyone? Or is it just when um, maybe they're covering something up? Yeah, exactly. I think it's a problem when you're not addressing the underlying emotion, because if you're always using food to stuff the emotion down and numb it, you're never, first of all, you're never even addressing what the emotion is. You're not labeling it. You're not feeling like I'm stressed, I'm sad, I'm angry. So that's number one. You're not acknowledging it and then you're not addressing it. So we know that emotions can manifest as physical illness or chronic illness later in life. So that's one thing. And then also just like carrying all this emotional baggage isn't healthy either because one day you might explode. So we really want to be addressing those emotions in a healthy way. And I do believe there is a conscious way to emotionally eat. So like, let's say you feel that emotion and you fully feel it and acknowledge it. Like you do your crying or you're dancing, you let it through your body. And then you're like, you know, what would raise my vibration one bit right now. It would be some chocolate and you eat that chocolate and you experience the pleasure and you're like, I feel better and I'm satisfied. That is healthy. But if you're like shoving down the chocolate instead of like crying and letting it out and you're like, oh my God, why did I eat that? That's like the unhealthy way to do it. Definitely. And do you have any other tips for in the moment? Because sometimes we hear go for a walk, call a friend, do those things work? Or are they also just masking the problem? Yeah, see, that's my opinion. I do think that those are great things to do. And don't get me wrong, like, please go on walks, journal, call your friends. But if you're not addressing the emotion while doing those things, you're still distracting yourself. So if you can feel your emotion while doing those things, even better. But if you're still doing something to distract yourself from the actual uncomfortable feeling, then it's just another tactic of distraction. Are there any other physiological imbalances that could cause sugar cravings, overeating, like someone who just can't physically feel full? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's when you want to look at like the gut microbiome and making sure your gut health is healthy. You don't have like bacteria or parasites dictating your sugar cravings and all that. So that's also something that I look at with my clients, but I think there's kind of a difference and you can tell almost when it's like, no, I run to food as soon as like, I feel like something weird in my body, like a stress or like uncomfortable emotion versus like, it's a hunger signal coming from me but there's totally the physiological side. I also think just um, too much restriction of maybe a carb or a certain macronutrient will result in sugar cravings because you're not replenishing your glucose stores. Or just food in general. A lot of women these days just under eat because mm-hmm. maybe they're eating a ton of food like bulk wise, lots of veggies and salads and lean protein But if you count how many calories they're actually eating, it's maybe like 1400, which is not enough to fuel a healthy, like growing woman. So how often do you see under eating just in general, maybe consciously or unconsciously? Yeah, I do believe that unconsciously some women do that and they don't want to hear it. And it's kind of like it goes in one ear and out the other. 
but I see a lot of clients who come to me that already eat pretty clean. Like they're eating tons of vegetables and just proteins and stuff. And I'm like, okay, like, let's see if we can add a little bit more healthy fats or a little bit more carbs and kind of like bulk it up. So you're physiologically more full and getting more calories and sustaining that because these women also are working out too. So definitely want to increase that. (laughs) I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the gut brain connection. It's one of my favorite subjects. And you mentioned before about parasites and sebum things literally sending messages to the brain, telling them to eat sugar. I have some clients who have extreme candida or mold overgrowth in their body, and they have to wake up at like 3am and go to the store and buy chocolate and sweets because they just can't control themselves. So that's obviously an extreme example. But Mm -hmm. yeah, because you talk about like the bi-directional communication. Yeah, absolutely. So our gut and brain are completely connected. So an example I like to give to people is when you have butterflies in your stomach, be when you're nervous or you have to go to the bathroom right before a big event. Like these are all small little ways our gut and brain show that they're connected. So for example, whatever's going on in your gut is going to affect your brain. So For instance, if you have these pathogens in your body, you can have those sugar cravings and you can also have um, different mood variabilities. So for example, like your anxiety or your depression can be stemming from the gut, but also vice versa. It could be in an imbalance in the brain is then causing issues in your gut or in your physical body like those nerves or constipation is something I see a lot with my overthinking clients. Um, Because when you're overthinking, you're in fight or flight versus in rest and digest. So the women that are anxious and overthinking, they're my constipated girls because their body doesn't feel safe to release and go to the bathroom. Same thing with bloating. When you're always in your head and spinning around, you're most likely prone to bloating more often because you can't fully digest the food and get your body in a calm enough state to do that. So that's also why like brain rewiring is so powerful just because even if you're doing it for 15 minutes a day or an hour a day, that's a good amount of time to get your body in the rest and digest state to calm the bloating down, calm the inflammation down and get the body to do its thing. <laughs> I think it's Chinese medicine who say those with digestive issues and str- struggles digesting physically often have issues emotionally digesting their thoughts and the worries. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so connected. It's pretty wild when people realize like, they're like, wait, my brain is what's making me constipated. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's true. And do you have any favorite tools for things like meditation? Do you just recommend people just sit there and kind of like calm their thoughts down? Or do you have a favorite app or guidance? Yeah. So I record my brain rewiring meditations or a few other ones for my clients personally, mm-hmm. but for someone just starting out, even like my clients that don't have never meditated, I have them do a few weeks on their own before I send them my like longer, more intense ones. So I'll have them either do like an insight timer. I like that up. They have like short ones or just like a body scan starting from the top of your head, like 
releasing tension in your forehead, your eyes, your jaw, and like becoming aware of how your body feels and noticing where tension is there and just trying to relieve it. So I like that. And something else I really like is just brain dumping. So just sitting there and letting your thoughts kind of like dump out of your head. So letting all your thoughts go and flow, but not giving power to any one thought. Because when we kind of give the power to the thought, we start the stories and we start the overthinking. But when you sit there and you just let them flow out, they do their thing and they're gone. So that's kind of like the beginner tips I like to give. I like to do that with journaling as well. So not mm-hmm. sometimes like having journal prompts are good just to spark some kind of discussion or some conversation. But I like to just have a empty blank page and just start writing. And it's, I think it's called free writing, maybe just for five minutes. Yeah, or I love yourself that. to do like two full pages before you can finish. Um, and you'd be surprised what comes out. So that, there's some good tools, but I would love to know your thoughts on things like energy healing with Reiki. I know that you're not a practitioner in that, but um, I think you said that you go to a Reiki practitioner yourself. Um, What about things like tapping or the EFT? Have you experienced with any of those things? Yeah, I love energy healing. I receive it almost like a few times a month, maybe weekly. It depends. I have a lot of um, friends that are very powerful energy healers. They use like 5D and 7D healing. So it's pretty awesome. Um, I actually did get trained in Reiki and I only did the level one, but I've used it a few times and people said they experienced some shifts, but it's not something that I'm like really doing. I don't know. We'll see maybe later. I'll explore more of that, but it hasn't really been a priority for me just because I'm like, I don't know. I've already put my information in so many other boxes. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. this can hold off for a bit, but I love, that's how I feel. I've got so many passions and I want to do so many things, but I'm like, okay, just focus for at least a few months on one area alone. Exactly. Which is what I'm doing. Cause I'm like, I don't know if you're familiar with human design, but um, I have like a one in my profile, which is like the investigator and Mm -hmm. has to like know and do everything in depth. So I tend to do that where I'm like, I want to know everything. Wait, is that, is that human design or Enneagram? Human design. Okay. Uh, Do you know your Enneagram? Yeah, I'm a three. Oh, I'm a one. I don't know what a three is. (laughs) I only know my own. (laughs) It's like the overachiever go-getter. Okay. So I guess learning kind of and plays your, into that too. Is your human design a generator? I'm a generator, yeah. yeah. Same here. <laughs> I can yeah, sense that. Right. Oh, my sacral energy coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. We, can, we yeah. need to listen to our guts and we need to do something that we love and we can work for hours on end, but we can't do things that we hate because it's not going to be productive. And I can totally exactly. And I, what's interesting about human design is I believe a lot of gut health issues happened for me because I was out of alignment in my life too. So that's something I also look at with clients. I look at their design and I'm like, okay, if you're a generator and you're having gut health issues, where are you saying yes to things that aren't alignment? Like, are you following what feels good for you? And like getting in alignment, I think is a big thing too for your physical health. So interesting. How do you bring up those more touchy subjects with clients so if you feel like someone is hiding some sort of trauma or suppressing trauma uh, because sometimes the people what people have been through is quite uh, intense or maybe you 
bring up the, the career or the job or the relationships maybe aren't suiting them or are working for their health at the moment? How do you bring those things up? Yeah. I mean, when my, like my clients know with the brain rewiring work that they're going to get triggered and I'm going to push them a little bit. Um, I think that's kind of says it for itself, but of course, a lot of the times they just start bringing things up like venting or expressing how they feel about certain things. And I really just ask them a lot of questions and have them come up with the answer themselves. So just like asking really good and deeper questions where they'll say it out loud and then I can reflect back to them what they just said. And then they'll have like the light bulb moment of, oh my God, you're right. So I'm not really like pushing them to do anything that they don't truly believe themselves. I don't think that's really my job. My job as a coach is just to have the person really dive deeper into their own beliefs and me being a good mirror of that and helping them see different perspectives and constantly reframing things for them to see another side of things and maybe area um, that they're not really noticing themselves. I've heard that said before. If you listen hard enough, the person is going to tell you what's wrong or what the solution is. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I don't know. A lot of people, like if you tell them something, they don't want to do it. But when they come up with the answer themselves and they see me mirror it back in like a way that they may not have consciously thought of, they're like, whoa, yeah, I do feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then they're actually more willing to make the change. And what do you think is more important? Obviously both ideally, but if someone was to start either with the physical stuff, so start exercising, cleaning up the products, eating a better diet versus working on some mindset shifts and trauma that probably both equally as important, but what have you seen to make the biggest difference? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I do believe that you can do a lot more with the mind than you can with the physical body because your thoughts create your reality. And when you change your thoughts, you start changing your physical actions as well. So if you believe that you're a healthy person, your actions will then start acting like you're a healthy person. But when you're just doing physical things and you're not believing that you can have this health, you can change your body, that's going to show. But when you work on the mind and you start to pair your new thoughts and beliefs with new emotions and new actions, then you're physical reality shifts as well. So I think that's honestly more important, but I always do both. Like I don't have my clients eat processed food while working on their limiting beliefs. I make sure they're eating like a whole foods diet, but they're more likely to do that when they believe that they're able to be healthy and they can change. Totally agree. Cause there are other people out there who have been in therapy for 10 years and are still either grieving or trying to deal with a trauma, but they physically can't get that energy or emotion out of the body if they are constipated or deficient or the guts messed up and the neurotransmitters can't be improved. So it is, but it's a two-way street with the gut and the brain coming back to that. Oh, exactly. It's mm-hmm. definitely a two-way street. <laughs> and I always finish up, um, Michelle, with a few questions for you personally. So the first one is, what's something that you do daily to stay in hormonal harmony? Ooh, daily. Hmm. Well, what's coming to mind is I kind of work out with my cycle. Mm -hmm. So 
the first two weeks, like follicular, all ovulatory, I'll do a bit more intense, like gym stuff, weightlifting, a little bit of cardio. I barely do any, but just a little bit more intense. And then I'll switch to more yoga and Pilates during my second half of my cycle. No, that's right up my street and definitely something that I talk about quite a lot on this podcast. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. What's your favorite food, herb or supplement that you couldn't live without? Food is sweet potatoes by mm-hmm. far. I literally like the days where I was afraid of them while they were my favorite food still break my heart. Oh. <laughs> I was like, they're my favorite food, but I'm not eating carbs. So, oh, no. but they're, but now I eat them every day. So we're good. Now you're catching up on lost time. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know about supplement. I have like, I mean, I think for me, I eat plant-based. So B12 is like the most important I see with like energy levels. I also drink King coffee. So I love that. That's like part of my everyday. (laughs) Same here. And for what reason do you follow more of a plant-based diet? I honestly just feel better. I got just turned off of me, like it just started and grossing me out to say yeah, probably least. from the acid reflux that you had because that's it can be quite hard to digest in those situations so maybe that was the trigger yeah totally and yeah I just feel really like more drawn to lighter foods lately and I like the feeling of kind of lightness and stuff so it's mm-hmm. just kind of like what feels good for my body and I have it's like more of an intuitive thing that I've honored it wasn't like oh my God, this is awful for you. Never like that. It was just what I intuitively felt drawn to and feel my best on. Amazing. And next question is about diet. So what's your go-to breakfast? Yeah, I have smoothies every morning. So like a green smoothie with fruit, spinach, and either hemp seeds or like a good pea protein. Amazing. And then very last question is where can people find more from you online? Um, And if they want to work with you and check you out on social media, where can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. Instagram is the best place where I hang out. I'm at get well with Michelle. And in order to work with me, you can just go on my Instagram and see what I'm offering at the moment and DM me about anything. I'm always in my DMs. And also my podcast, Metamorphosis with Michelle, have great information on there. Yeah, my episode may or may not be out by the time this has been released. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to have connected with you. I think we have a lot in common. And hopefully we can connect more in the future. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited for you to come on my show really soon. Amazing. Thanks, Michelle. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. 
We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.